The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. What's up, babe? What did you say to your old teammates at the end there when you were standing in front of the bench? Take their ass home. <laughs> Long fight to LA. Take y'all ass home. You know, I, it, it's, it's deeper that for me. You understand? I gave my blood and sweat and tears to that organization. Uh... I mean, you guys know the story, especially you. Um, blood, sweat, and tears to just be written off like that. You know, uh, he's injury prone. He's old, this, this, that, that. To be able to come here, play them in a play-in, beat their ass. No other feeling, man. No other feeling. Yeah. What I say in the beginning of the year? What I say? Hey, you're going to my hey, Check that Damn goal man. off now, folks. So yeah. Check that goal off now. Bad boys. I told you he's going to the playoffs. Did nobody believe me? Weak-ass Clippers. Beat they mother. That's right, Patrick Beverly. That's right, Timberwolves. Talk your shit. Let me say something. I've been upset since last night. I've been angry ever since the TNT post-game show. The most fun show in sports television. The TNT Inside the NBA yep. show. Ever since then, yep. all through this morning, all through this afternoon, I've been angry at just all everybody. Right. Because you know what I learned last night and today? That we got some miserable so-and-sos out here. We got some yep. miserable people in this world. The fun police has no shortage mm. of, of recruits. Like, okay, who, why would people be telling the Min- Minnesota Timberwolves to calm down last night. Why are you telling people who ain't been in the playoffs but two times in the last 18 years 18 to act years. like you've been there right. before? That's right. They ain't they been have. there before. They children. They, been there before. they don't know how to act. They don't know any better. And so, isn't this the purpose of the play-in? To be a precursor to the playoffs? So let them right. celebrate. Let them enjoy themselves. And the last people I want to hear from cracking jokes on the Timberwolves for partying like it's 1999 and going crazy and getting nuts. It's people like LeBron James. It's people right. like Kyle Kuzma. Because you at home watching. Yeah, yeah, you ain't done so nothing. So hush. Yeah. You, you, well, you've yeah. done something, but you ain't doing nothing this year, but watching them. So, I mean, in a game in which Carl Anthony Towns scores 11 points, goes 3 of 11 right. from the field, fouls out with 7 minutes left, right. looks awful from jump, they looked overwhelmed at the beginning of the game. They were trailing right. by 10. And of course, Patrick Beverly going to be on one because it's personal for him. So good for him. That's good right. for them. That's right. Good for the Twin Cities. Good for the Timberwolves. And I don't think they were celebrating the end of something. I don't think they were celebrating a culmination. They were celebrating the beginning. This was a jumping off point. So that's why they jumped on the table. Michael, I'm so glad you okay. agree with me because I, I knew my I boy, knew. Michael Holly, is not going to show up here and, and be a grumpy old man. No. I, I, no. I, I knew you wasn't going to feel that way. No, and first of all, first it. y'all all, overdoing it. Trying to be the first of all, as you know, you know this, and like 99% of the world doesn't know it, but you know it. When I say 
that Patrick Beverly is my spirit animal. <laughs> okay, you know, you know, that's that the see that's right here. That's in my lane. That's in my neighborhood. Yeah. That's in my that's city. how you play that. That's how that you whole play. type you were an irritant that annoying yeah. that troll yeah. that irritant yeah. that uh, well, this yeah. dude just go somewhere. He ain't even that good. He making a lot of right. noise and somebody scores seven points sit down somewhere. Right. No, 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 no. That's I, yeah. I really respect that and you're absolutely right. Look, if if they haven't won, if they haven't won in years and years, they it took everything they had. The last time, the last time they were in the playoffs, remember what it took? It was similar. It was pre-play-in. It was the last game of the year. Jimmy Butler right. was there. They had right. to beat. I think it was Denver, just to get the eight seed. Like yeah. everything they had, just to get in the eight. And then, the, then, then 2004, we know what happened there. They went to the conference finals. They had KG, MVP, all that stuff. But hey, it's been tough sledding in Minnesota for a long time. It's cold there. They ain't got a lot to cheer for. Uh, yeah, they make the playoffs with that team, a young team that has had a lot of uh, a lot of L's over the years. Go ahead and do it. But I'm gonna take it a step further. You know how much respect I have for the Minnesota. Uh, excuse me, for the Memphis Grizzlies. We talked with Kelsey yesterday. Kelsey uh, Wright Johnson. She said she'd much rather see the Clippers. I think the Grizzlies were rooting for the Clippers. This is a tough matchup, man. This is a tough matchup. Oh, yeah, and it's gonna be fun. It's this, gonna be fun. This, so this, it, it's, it's gonna two be fun, teams and it's gonna be that's close. young. It's gonna be close and hungry. Oh, I agree. But but if you don't mind, I like to stay in the moment because that's what the Wolves oh, did yeah. last night. Because I'm still because I'm still yeah. just kind of like annoyed that. We've we've become so fixated on the finals. We've become so fixated on the end that we can't enjoy the journey or worse. Let somebody else enjoy the journey. I mean, look, I don't like Patrick Beverly personal. Well, not personally. I don't have anything personally against him, but he annoys me and I ain't got to play against him. I like it, but I was happy for him last night. If you don't have that kind of energy for somebody in your life, God bless you. You've lived a charmed existence. If you right. if you don't want to tell somebody from your past to get the F out of here because they doubted you and discarded you. So Patrick Beverly deserved to jump on the scorers table last night. He deserved to shed some Denzel Washington and thug tears all at the same damn right. time last night, right? And, and here's the other thing Mike just like from a from a game standpoint. Just like respect. I'm talking about game like industry the game the industry mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. look there's I, I'll bet you and I don't want to go too far but I, I'll, I'll keep the number at like 10. I bet you there are 10 guys either in the G League college basketball or overseas. There are 10 guys mm -hmm. who have more talent than Patrick Beverly but Patrick Beverly keeps himself in basketball because of that mentality. This is like I, I just respect the grind. Like I love guys like this, not just because yeah. you know that, that that was my whole thing. You relate to back it. way yeah. back when I played. But Most of us just guys who like guys who go from team to team, guys who have played yeah. for like seven teams in, in like 14 or 15 years. Like in basketball, I'll tell you another example. A guy who was like this. Uh, Rick Brunson. Remember Rick Brunson back in the day? Rick Brunson mm -hmm. played for like he must have played for like seven, eight teams, but he just found a niche and was able to hang around and make himself relevant, whether it was 
you know, 18 minutes a game as a backup or 10 minutes or just holding down the bench going from place to place because he right. was just into it. He had ability. You got to have ability. It's not like you can be a scrub. Sure. But you got to have that next thing. So I, I have much respect for Patrick Beverly and bringing that to Minnesota because Minnesota talent wise, Carl Anthony Towns, number one overall pick. Anthony Edwards, number one overall pick. D'Angelo Russell, I think, right. was number two. They number had, two. Yeah. They got and talent. An yeah, yeah. But they, they need, need to learn how to win. Well, that's it. Yeah, and, I, I'm, I'm and feeling and, it. And, and say what you want about Patrick Beverly. He's usually a part of winning teams. He may not be the driving force, but he's oftentimes the heart and soul of these winning teams. Going back to Carl Anthony Towns for a second. Today is two years since he lost his mother, Jackie. So yeah. context matters. We just showed the photo of him hugging Jordan Woods and people use that image as a way to crack jokes like I don't know that anybody should need an excuse to hug Jordan Woods if I may say so. Um, but nonetheless, yeah. that's, that's personal for Carl Anthony Towns given what he's Take gone time through over the last one. two years and the, and, and, and the loss. That. The, the, the loss is that he's experienced the last couple of years and what it's taken for him to get to this point. This is an all NBA caliber player, an all star player, greatest shooting big man of all time who has been criticized and last night certainly supported those criticisms, but as somebody that you can't win with it with him being your best player. Okay, Anthony Edwards, that dude's 20 years old. What is he supposed yeah. to act like? He's 20. And, and, and the other thing about this plan, what a rousing success for the playing tournament because they won 46 games this year, double their win total from last year. And right. the plan is designed so that this is not some fate complete. This is not some formality where you're just punching your ticket in. You got to earn it on top of the 46 wins you had. And the alternative was a loss that would have put you in a winner go home game where hey. if you won your reward is the Suns. So this wasn't a championship last night, but it was significant nonetheless. And that's the point of this play in tournament exercise. And, and Mike, you're so right off the top when you said, you know, I hope we haven't gotten to this point where we're just above it all. Like we act like we're not allowed to celebrate. We can't enjoy it because it's not the, it's not the final. So what's the point of that? We're paying attention. It's, it's a big moment. It's something out of the ordinary. Why not celebrate? This is why I like this is one thing baseball gets right and I know the traditionalists don't like it in baseball. Baseball gets mm. it right. If, mm. if it's like if it's a one game playoff, the winner of yeah. that is kicking it. I mean, but we pop champagne. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, one game playoff. Then you, you win, win a series. You, you win pop a, champagne. You win a series. Here we go. Yeah, you pop okay. a champagne. You just, yeah. All you do. Yes. All you did is get yourself into the league championship series. Okay, league college championship basketball. series. Oh, we all doing those it again. people who love college basketball, <laughs> who love the purity right. of college basketball, and how, look, look how much right. these kids love it, and they celebrate after every win. You win two. You cutting down nets. You in the Sweet Sixteen. Right. I mean, it's like last night. This was about grown men. Relatively speaking, they're one of the youngest teams in the league, but grown men enjoying victory in a kid's game. We got people that got the nerve enough to criticize them. What Shade said, never as good as the first time. For a lot of them, it's their first time doing anything like this, you know, or, or it's this it's this group's first time doing anything like this, as presently constituted. So, props to the Wolves. I agree but, with you. But, it's going to be a tough series. I still like Memphis. But I do anticipate it being a long, tough series. And you know, we've been talking at various points about these Wolves and how dangerous they were. And I mean, what highest scoring team in the league? You know, um, best statistically, the best starting five, I believe, in the league. They got a lot of things to like about them in yeah. the short term and the long term. I just, 
I, I prefer the Grizzlies in this matchup, but it'll be nothing if not entertaining. Can I just say one, one more thing before we get to that? One yeah, and then, we'll, and then we'll pivot, and then uh, we'll move on. And, and, and not, not that I want to pay too much attention to the peanut gallery, and I know mm -hmm. it's LeBron James. All right, LeBron James, you know, arguably, you know, some say the greatest of all time, but oh, may have to revisit that. May have to revisit that. I'm, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm, <laughs> it's fluid. It's a fluid situation for me. I'm just thinking. I'm thinking more about it. I'm thinking. I'm thinking more deeply. Yeah, yeah. For me. For me. I'm thinking more about it. Um, I may have to retract it. I may have to pull back. I'm gonna pull it back. Um, anyway, but LeBron James. Multiple champion, multiple MVP. I know we're not we're not going there. What I'm saying is, yes, he's got some he's got some credibility where he can make fun of people celebrating Correct. a playoff win. Because he's been. But there, I do man. remember. But hold on, no, hold on. I remember him pre-championship. They mm -hmm. beat the Celtics, I think, in the first round or second round. Mm -hmm. Second round, they beat mm -hmm. the Celtics just to get to the mm -hmm. conference finals, and. He, they, they, want him, they beat him in five games. At the end of the game, my man is over there with the ball. He's like, we talked about church before the, uh, before the show started. He's over there having one of those silent, silent prayer moments. Yeah, hey, yeah. man, y'all beat the Celtics. Y'all beat the Celtics in the second round of the playoffs. Why are you getting all, so emotional? Why? Because it meant something to him. And he explained Correct. afterwards that right. the Celtics had been a thorn in his side. So getting by this obstacle was big to him. And so that's one. But Kyle Kuzma. Oh, so you you gonna do that just because you are on LeBron James's team. You on LeBron's team since, <laughs> right, since you right. got you a championship LeBron, but the Kyle Kuzma's of the world. You can't get these jokes off. And look, I enjoyed the memes. I enjoyed the creativity that was displayed on Twitter, but I hated how serious some people were about criticizing the Timberwolves for going overboard. But most important, I loved it for them. Your Celtics commentary, your Celtics commentary was a great transition because meanwhile, in the first meanwhile. Eastern Conference play-in game, despite fasting, yeah. Kyrie Irving was both cooking and eating, and mm -hmm. his former team, the Celtics, are up next. You know, this is a journey with me and God, so... Um... You know, I, I uh, appreciate uh, the recognition on, on different platforms, but it's really sacred to me. It's really, um, you know, protection I feel for my brothers and sisters that are doing the same with me. And, um, you know, it's just a blessing to be able to do it and still be able to perform. <laughs> you know, it's not easy by any stretch of imagination. Uh, so you can't really take any moment for granted during the day. I don't really have time. Uh, or the attention to give um, energy to any distractions. You know, so I come in here, I really just pay attention to the details, remind myself that I'm breathing, and that's enough. So uh, it just really simplifies life and uh, puts it in a, a greater perspective. You know, I just have uh, respect for all you guys being here and, and everybody that came into the arena and being able to show up and, and play well, that was just the cherry on top. But the day starts at like 5.35 in the morning or even before that. And, um, you know, you, you just, you can't really think about being hungry or anything like that. And uh, it, it's just a fun journey. I'm enjoying it. And uh, again, I'm not alone in this and I'm grateful to know that. You guys obviously faced them a few weeks ago. What do you think the biggest key is to slowing the Celtics down? 
Um, I mean, I mean, we can't let Tatum get 50. Um, we got to be physical with them. Now they don't have Robert Williams, so um, they have less of a presence in the paint. Uh, and, we, and we could attack Al Horford and, and Tice. Uh, so them not having Robert, Robert Williams is huge. Kevin, I know you were um, maybe half joking with the Bruce comment, but just when you come in, that bothers you why, that comment? I mean, we respect our opponents. It's like, we don't need to talk about, you know, what we're going to do to them. Like, uh, I just don't like that, you know. Um, but that's just how Bruce is. You know, he comes in and he says that, you know, he keeps the same energy throughout the whole season. So, but, yeah, like, we don't need to say shit like that. Let's just go out there and hoop. Let me get the Bruce Brown of it all out the way first. Um, I ain't got much to say on that other than baller Bruce Brown didn't say anything other than the obvious. Okay. Uh, maybe Katie didn't want it stated. I called him baller Bruce Brown, you bum. And I mean that. Yeah, I'm just joking. But you used to clown me about Bruce Brown. Now yeah. he did yeah. third best yeah. player. So. Almost messing Rightfully around so. and getting triple doubles. Put some respect Rightfully on Bruce so. Brown's name. Talking about him like he's Charlie you, Brown. That boy is a baller. Because you put him. No, because you Dorchester's put him in the same own. sentence as people. What? Okay, whatever. That matters. He, he, that matters. He, hey, hey, look. You put him in the same. He's a significant contributor. You were like, they got Bruce Brown. Stop, he's well, you, just because you didn't know Stop. what he brought to the team. Anyway, I, I know what he. Anyway, I, I, I know what he brings. When you used to call me, he did, okay, whatever. Okay, I know what he's, he's, It's a blessing. It's a blessing for Bruce Brown. Kyrie was talking about blessings. It's a blessing for Bruce Brown that he's fortunate. He's on the team with Kyrie Irving and, and Kevin Durant. Now stop. I, I mean, they're lucky to have him. Speaking of bringing it, oh. <laughs> Kyrie Irving. We got to talk about Kyrie Irving. We got to talk about Kyrie. Irving. Okay. Twelve right, for his exactly. first twelve. Thirty-four you points and jokes twelve now? assists last night. 34 points and 12 assists last night. All right, from Kyrie right. Irving, who is like, he's not just a wizard. He's a sorcerer supreme. He's he is he is doc he is Doctor Strange. When he is on, when Kyrie Irving is on one, he is one of one. There's really like just a thing of beauty, a joy forever with him. Like he is just like when he's on his game. I don't know that there's anybody quite like him. I'm not saying he's the best of anything or the great. I'm just saying there's just nobody quite like Kyrie when he's in his zone, when he's in his bag, right? So that's the first part. Second part to keep yeah. with the superhero theme. This isn't Batman and Robin to me. Where you know when it comes to Durant and Kyrie, for me, it's more like Cap and Bucky, where I'll take my chances in a street fight. So now that brings me to the Celtics because the take the take I did not like last night, but I understood it, but I didn't really like it is that Brooklyn's bar despite everything that they've had to go through some of it self inflicted to get to this point to get to the playoffs that Brooklyn's bar is so high that we're like judging them on the fact that they did not blow out the Cavaliers who I think you thought were going to win that game last night. So it's like okay, the Cavaliers made a run and made it interesting. Says some kind of indictment of Brooklyn. Oh, well, Durant and Kyrie can't do this every night. Says who? Well, they have to. We'll see. Against Boston, Michael, and this is where I pass it to you, because I'm sure back in your talk radio days or even on your NBC Sports Boston days, y'all about to have a field day with this series with Kyrie coming back. Oh, yeah, it's great. It's great. Bruh, the, the callers would be lighting up the lines. Bruh, I can't call it, because here's the one thing I cannot see in this series. I cannot see Brooklyn, even with Robert Williams out, 
running roughshod over Boston. I don't think Brooklyn wins a short series. I could see this going a six or seven game with either team winning it or I could see Boston making quick work of Brooklyn. That's how much I respect Boston even without Robert Williams. It wouldn't shock me despite the fire firepower that the Nets bring to the table. It wouldn't shock me if this were a five game series with Boston advancing. Mm. The only thing that would shock. So I, it's, it's, a, it's a hard one to call yeah, yeah. because of this dude and Kyrie Irving. It's a hard it, it, I, 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 I'm infatuated with their with their ability. Just the two of them with enough help from the likes of Bruce Brown um, and others, obviously. But I but the Celtics yeah. man. They're so freaking good. Even without Robert Williams until again. That's the only result that would yeah. shock me in this series is if Brooklyn ran through Boston that I don't see anything else. I can see it. Yeah, great. I mean, look, it's a great series and and a lot of great storylines for obvious reasons. And you know, you think about it, these teams played last year and what a difference. So last year in the playoffs, uh, Brooklyn did exactly that. Mike, they made uh, quick work of Boston. They beat them in five games and the game that Boston won. They needed to uh, scratch and claw and everything they had at home. Uh, to beat Brooklyn. So last year, Boston has no Jalen Brown because he was out with a wrist injury. And Brooklyn had Kyrie, had James Harden, Harden healthy. Uh, obviously, Kevin Durant had Joe Harris on the mm. bench. They, uh, they had that was uh, probably Blake the, Griffin. That was probably the well. apex for that group, right? That was probably the apex right. for, for that group That's of, right. of the, that iteration of the Nets. They looked yeah. amazing. They looked amazing mm -hmm. in that series. Then remember they went in and, and then Milwaukee was next and then they kind of right. steamrolled Milwaukee hurt. the first two games. Yeah, They're like, Harden oh man, this hurt. is yeah, this is unfair. Yeah. And then so I would say this time last year, Brooklyn was marching toward something special and it's a little mm -hmm. different now. And also uh, I, I left out Brooklyn on the bench last year. One of their assistant coaches Defensive-minded assistant coaches was Ime Odoka. And so now Ime is in Boston. Jalen Brown is healthy. Yeah. Uh, James Harden's gone. Joe yeah. Harris is hurt. I think it's it, the, the series is the series is interesting. The series is not quite even. I would give the advantage uh, to Boston. I think Boston is a better team right now, and it might be a different story if you had Ben Simmons out there. I think Boston's going to win it in six games. Six, but, I see that. But it's um, six. Celtics Boston is six. enter the postseason, number one defense, East's best record, and the league's best net rating since the calendar turn to 2022. If, you, if you're pinning me down for a pick, I'm going to go Celtics in seven. And, that, okay. and that, I, look, you know, I, it's, it's hard for me to, you know, I, you know I'm tempted when it comes to Brooklyn. It's still remnants of last year for me, even though you and I have kind of switched positions at a few times this year when it comes to the Nets. Yeah, but I think the Celtics, even without Robert Williams, are so good. Especially their their one-two punch can go toe-to-toe -to -toe with the Nets' one-two punch. Yeah, why'd you give me that look, man? When I was, when I mentioned that about LeBron, that revisit. Why'd you give me that look? What did I say? Didn't that look speak for itself? No. That's what I'm asking. <laughs> we may we may find time for later for later in the show. I just I can't believe you. That's all. <sighs> 
Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Yo, Michael, I don't know if you peeped this earlier, but I guess the equivalent of securing a seventh seed in a playing game for our NBA media brethren like J.A. Adande and Vincent Goodwill is that the NBA unveiled the logo for the 22 finals and they're bringing back the old script font. I mean, nice. just judging by the Twitter reaction to it from our friends in the media, they basically just jumping on the table celebrating like Patrick Beverly right now. So J.A. Adande, uh, is with us now, our brother from another J.A. J.A., this Anything feels like... Is possible! <laughs> I mean, it feels like all Great. the accomplishments, Celebrate. all the accolades, yes. everything you've done in your career, where does this rank, J.A.? <laughs> right up there. Right up there. It, it, it's funny. We, we had a, a, a uh, event in California last weekend for the Medill School of Journalism, the finest journalism institution in the world, and... Um, so we had one of my colleagues, Pulitzer Prize-winning reporter, and she was talking about some of the work that she's done that has changed public policy, right, and impacted lives like that. And she's so proud of that. And I was thinking, what have I done? I said, <laughs> one, I, at that point, I feel like I helped rid the NBA of the scourge that was the, the hacker, whoever, philosophy, all the fouling away from the ball to just turn it into a free, mm -hmm. free throw contest. Notice we haven't seen much of that the last few years. I'll take responsibility for that. I will also now... Share responsibility along with our boy Vinny Goodwill and Dave McMenamin and Howard Beck, among others, who have been championing this cause. And so we can all collectively exult and rejoice and and feel proud of this accomplishment. <laughs> the script finals logo is back and the world is a better place for it. <laughs> Look at that logo. Way it's to go, beautiful. They, they kind of went understated, though. But as you pointed out, they kind of the went understated on the F. Like what, what? 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 They're holding back. It's like they wanted to they do are. it, but they're not sure. Right. Why? Why that, that hold old back? F was it, it? Was majestic. Look at that long swoosh. I wonder if, yeah. in part, that that F, the the swoosh on the F looks like the the Laker S and the Laker logo. So maybe they okay. didn't want to be, you know, partial. Feel like they were being partial to the Lakers. We ain't got to um, worry about that. We ain't got to worry about yeah, the Lakers. I'm just, I'm just laughing because Jay, I've seen you fired up, obviously, but I, I've never seen you more <laughs> passionate and satisfied. Hey, I'm happy for you. Michael, I'm proud of I feel you. As and strongly, I'm, I'm as passionately in support of the, the script finals logo as I am adamantly against the NFL draft and the, the disproportionate oh. amount of attention we give to the draft. You know, okay, all right. Mo you know moving right along. Moving <laughs> right along. Um, how do you now feel? You but I mentioned okay. I mentioned you're on the table like Pat Beverly. <laughs> Michael and I were just railing against all the old heads and young people who had the nerve, many of them from the couch, to clown the Timberwolves for not acting like they've been there before when they don't really get there enough to act like they've been there before, especially this group. Where do you come well, down on Patrick Beverly standing on the table and Anthony Edwards they, and, the, and the, the rocker celebration in, in Minneapolis? They were just there like three years ago. So it's not like they hadn't been to the playoffs since the KG era. You know, Carl Anthony Towns and, and to a large extent, this group has been there before. Not Anthony Edwards' first not, time. Yeah. Anthony Edwards' first yeah. time. Patrick Beverly has been there before. And I know it was deeply personal, you know, for yeah. him to go back against the Clippers. In some ways, it reminds me of, remember, in, in 95 when, when um, 
when the Orlando Magic with Horace Grant beat the Chicago Bulls, who had oh, yeah. basically let let Horace Grant go the year before. He previously played there. And uh, remember, they carried Horace Grant off the court after they won that. So that reminded me a little bit. You know, that was after the second round. Um, but slightly more seriously, to me, this is about the standards and the expectations that we have for ourselves and that people hold for each other. And I feel like there's been a lowering of standards really across the board in this country. And the, the reason why Ooh, it okay. felt inappropriate to me was uh, to, to be standing on the scorer's table after winning the play-in game, not even a playoff series, um, is that that used to be something reserved for championships. And, you know, you, you guys and me, we grew up on seeing for Michael Kobe. Jordan do it and then Kobe Bryant yeah. doing it. And so that was something that you do after the championship. You don't hold a parade after winning a first-round series. You know, there's certain things that you, you need to wait until you've accomplished it. And I think there's something to be said for restraint, for not indulging your urges. I'm sure there's plenty of times when people wanted to jump on the scores table and felt happy, but you know what? It's not no. appropriate at that time. You should hold no. restraint. If you're what? trying to Man, lose weight, can, you, can, you, can, can hey. you restrain from pissing on a parade that they shouldn't be throwing? Like, come on, J.A. Hey. Mike. Hey, Jay, I'm not Jay, saying Jay. they should be punished. <laughs> I'm not Why saying, do we... I'm, I'm saying they, they deserve all the mockery that they got. Yes, they should be clowned for it. They shouldn't be punished. They shouldn't oh. be sanctioned. Nothing like that. But yes, you can get clowned by the TNT inside the NBA guys and all that. You can get clowned for, for basically holding a parade, for jumping on the scorer's right. table after winning the playing game. You're the number seven hey, seed. Hey, That's hey, what you see, achieved. Hey, no, they're just a kid. Hey, look, look. The Minnesota Timberwolves are just a kid getting picked on and in the cafeteria because you tell me the context you tell me the context of rip city from Dame or the bye was that in the NBA finals. He grabbed the mic. He didn't jump on the scores table though and and one thing he did and something else I thought this was comparable to so there's that iconic picture they all dogpiled on him and he's got that stoic expression yeah, on his yeah. face looking. It's like a, almost like a fish eyes yeah. lens. Mm -hmm. Also, just mm -hmm. like the real calm thing. He didn't jump on. He just bye bye. Remember when Derrick Rose hit that shot to beat Cleveland in, in a playoff game yeah. and everyone was running to hold him up. He was just like to me, that's yeah. cooler. Yeah. If you can be calm and stoic in that moment when that is your moment and your reaction is to just that's cooler than jumping no. on the scorers table early no. in the playoffs. So no, uh, to go. me, be like Dane. Hey. Be like Derrick Rose. Don't be like so Jordan and Kobe. Until you've done what Jordan and Kobe did. Be like, they probably be like, will have a sniffer be, scores table in the championship anytime you, soon. You gotta celebrate. You gotta celebrate. Well, yeah, like making up these rules. Hey, and actually, I'm revising that. So the only reason I was given oh. conference finals is because I thought that iconic shot of Patrick Ewan raising his arms when they went to the NBA Finals in 1994. I thought he went on the table for that. He actually didn't go on the scorer's table for that. That was on the ground. So I'm actually. Bro, let these this people is why we live. need an edit butter in Twitter. This is why we need to edit butter. Let these people live because. To me, Paul, Paul you shouldn't be on the scorer's table until after you've won the NBA Finals. I'm revising it. NBA oh, Finals. Hey, listen, that's when you should be on the scorer's table. I covered this game, so, Jay. I, I covered, I covered this game like... with Michael Smith. <laughs> with, with, a young, with a young Michael Smith, I covered this game in Boston. The Celtics came back from 20 points down in the conference finals against Jason Kidd's Nets. Paul Pierce yes. 
Yeah. Stood on the table and, and, and they won another game. Though. I remember that. That was, that was the biggest comeback in postseason history. At that time, wasn't it the biggest uh, one in postseason history, Michael? Yeah. The biggest comeback in postseason? Yeah. yeah. That's right. right. I mean, that's listen, right. Jay, in general, look, I mean, like I said earlier, the purpose of the play in is to be a precursor to the playoffs. Context is everything here, okay? You're talking about Kobe Bryant. You're talking about, you know, Jordan. I'm setting high icons standards. of the game. I'm setting the people, exactly well, well, high standards. But the Timberwolves, who hold themselves but the Timberwolves, who hold themselves yeah, okay, high but standards. the Timberwolves, the Timberwolves, are have never carried that kind of standard in recent history. So the, it, 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 I find it interesting that the people that were laughing on TNT are Shaquille O'Neal, Charles Barkley, and Kenny Smith. Okay. These people are all Hall champions of Famers and, legends and, and, Hall of Famers. and champions and legends, right? So what I'm saying is context of not just Patrick Beverly's bitterness toward the Clippers, but a team that doubled its win total from last year. So maybe they right. win a couple of years ago with Jimmy Butler, but since Jimmy Butler left, this has been a loser franchise that was seven and 24 when its coach took over last year. Patrick Beverly is discarded comes in. Carl Anthony Towns, we know what he's been through personally. We know what people have said about him from a reputation standpoint. 20-year-old Anthony Edwards, who's the most underrated number one overall pick that I can remember in recent memory, and now they go into a play-in, which they win 46 games, and now they got to earn their spot in the play-in. They do it at home in front of the home crowd, down to the fourth quarter. When they look overwhelmed at the beginning, come on. Let me ask both you guys' parents, where do you stand on participation trophies? Do you think your kids should get a trophy? For, for playing in the soccer league, or do you think they should hey, no, hold out? But I'm not going to be a killjoy hey. either. Show me your badge. No, we're not, I don't even police we're, we're clowning. We're not killing joys. We're clowning. There's a difference. It's we're exactly not one in the same. We're, we're not saying same. we should revoke their access to the playoffs because they overly celebrated. We're just saying, hey, you're acting like you won a championship when you won the right to have What's wrong the number with that? seven seed. Hey, man. <laughs> Hey, Adonde, I'm going to answer your question. Should my kids get a participation trophy? Trophy? <laughs> yes, they should. Because they got the Holly name and they made a team. You know what? That's a big They made a team? I'm like, is that what the Holly family is about? They made the team. They made the team? And just give me, a minute the on the, give me a minute on the field or a minute on the court. That's enough. Okay. Wow. With their father's at limited athletic ability and they were able to take that and make a team. I'm happy hey, and the family's happy. Jay, listen, we up against the clock a little bit. We only got a few more minutes left. I really I, nobody we've been talking about the Lakers really all season, but especially in the last week, just doing the autopsy or what have you. Um, and uh, unpacking this season, I should say. So nobody that I know knows this team, this franchise like you have been covering them for so long, up close with the LA Times. You know this market, you know this franchise. Your general takeaway from this season and the prognosis or the or, or, or the you know, what, what does it look like for the Lakers moving forward? But more than anything settle something for me and Michael. I really feel like despite the history and tradition um, and, and and the banners and the jerseys and, and all and it just the, the the iconic nature of this franchise. I feel like that job that head coaching position is not a very desirable one for anybody with any meaningful options. I'm not saying nobody will take it. But uh, but the, the high profile coach that that organization thinks it's entitled to, I don't see why anybody would want it want to walk into that dysfunction. So just all of that, take it wherever you want to go. You know the Lakers better than anybody, Jay. Yeah, we'll we'll look at the coaching and uh, Mike. We want to talk about Lakers history and more more important, more relevant recent history, right? That's more relevant than than the Showtime days that we're looking at how they're going to get out of this and where they should go from here. 
And part of the problem, and to me, one thing that led to the demise of Jim Bus when he was running things, was the poor selection of coaches um, and how sometimes it can be more costly to not spend the requisite amount or the necessary amount on coaches. So if they had spent more money and secured Imani Williams and sec or secured a Tyron Lue, um, they wouldn't be in this situation right now. And, um, you know, because they didn't want to give them the amount that they were looking for, you wound up with Frank Vogel. You won a championship with Frank Vogel. Um, but he is now, or became, or was, part of the problems. And the situation, the coaching position now, is part of the problem. You don't have an answer at a very important position. And to me, it's similar to when they brought in Mike Brown, who was the wrong coach at that time for that team. They brought in Mike D'Antoni to replace him, who was the wrong coach at that time for that team. It's not that Mike D'Antoni is not a good coach. We saw the success he had in Houston after he left the Lakers, and of course, in Phoenix prior to being with the Lakers. But with that roster with two big men, um, that didn't suit the way that he wanted to coach. And so that was a bad decision that they made. So it was ultimately... Um, it, it's, it's weird to say it was a bad decision to hire Frank Vogel when um, you won a championship with Frank Vogel, but um, it was, now it's looking like the bad decision because you wouldn't have had questions with the coach. If you hired Tyron Lue and you give him a five-year contract, guess what? Among the things you're dealing with, down the stretch of the season, you're not having to worry about, oh, what's going to happen with the coach? You're not having to worry about, are the players going to tune out the coach because they feel like they can outlast him? Um, if you show that type of commitment to a coach, you take that away. And that's what happened. One of the best moves they ever made was when they brought in Bill Jackson in 1999 after underachieving the previous two years in the playoffs. And now there was accountability. They brought him in five-year contract. I think it was like five or six million dollars, which made him the highest paid coach at the time per year. And um, all of a sudden now, if you, if you hit a rough patch, you don't have stories about is the coach going to get fired? You know that's not an issue. You know that's not going to happen when you have a big-name coach with a serious contract. So now the players can look and say, okay, if we kind of take a couple games off, maybe we get this coach on up out, out of here. Even if they don't like the coach, they have to continue to perform because they're more likely to get shipped out at the end of the year yeah. than he is. You've yeah. got a big coach on a big contract. Yeah. Hey, so, uh, Jay, so, yeah, we brother, appreciate so you, I heard man. you. And we do. And I heard, you know what I heard him say, Mike? That the job yes, is sir. desirable. I heard him say the job is still desirable. Okay. It's still a high, a high profile right. job. Yes. You know what? You know what I want to say? You know what I want to say, Michael Holly? This was a great segment. Let's go to break. <laughs> we did a fantastic segment <laughs> on a Wednesday. <laughs> on Peacock. Stand on the table. On YouTube. Stand on the table. On Sirius XM Radio. On Sirius XM Radio. Stand on the table. Uh, yes. Careful. I might Careful. break it if no, I no, do. No. I might break it. Sirius XM Radio, YouTube, Peacock. <laughs> this was the best segment on a Wednesday in the history of whatever this is. The streaming show. That's right. Let's go. Anything is possible. No restraint. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. All right, it is Wednesday, which means it is time for Real Talk 
brought to you by yeah. Capital One. Baker Mayfield, still Browns quarterback Baker Mayfield, talked to the You Never Know podcast, and he kept it real about how he's feeling as he sits in limbo. So I have no regrets of my time in Cleveland of what I tried to give to that place. Right. And true Clevelanders and true Browns fans know know that. And that's why I can walk away from the whole situation feeling like I I did it. And now do you feel like do you feel like the way the office has handled it has been disrespectful to you given what's given where you came in and where they are now and uh, I mean, yeah, the respect thing is like it, it's all it's all gonna be like a personal opinion. Yeah, like, and I don't like no, I, I feel disrespected hundred mm-hmm. percent. Because I was told one thing and they completed another. That's what I'm in the middle of right now. And you know what? Okay. I got I got my taste of it because I've had four different head coaches in four years, a bunch of different coordinators. I've had talk about the highs. They always come back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they always come back. <laughs> always yeah. come back. First of all, Baker Mayfield is entitled to feel how he wants to feel. Feelings aren't right or wrong, they just are. So if he feels disrespected, that's certainly his right. Emphasis on entitlement. So you have no regrets. Um, I guess what I don't understand is, I guess I agree and disagree at the same time. Should Baker Mayfield feel disrespected based on the inner workings and the conversations that he's had with the Browns and his status as the, as the starting or franchise quarterback and you know the entitlement that comes with being a number one overall pick so you think it's your job and you don't have to earn it year in and year out and you should have the long-term extension. Yeah, and listen, if I were him, I'd feel more than disrespected. I'd be restless as hell because he's got these golden handcuffs in the form of a fully guaranteed $18.8 million salary that's kept him in limbo. Like, I'd be going crazy right now. Hell, I could kind of relate to it. I'd be going crazy right now if I'm sitting there knowing I'm not the quarterback of this team and I'm, I'm stuck with right. the, I'm stuck like Chuck with a team that not only doesn't want me, but has upgraded from me. But I maintain the Browns have mishandled this situation because they basically told Baker Mayfield, we want you unless we can get somebody better. We'll settle for you. And then when he was like, trade me, he was like, nah, you're coming back. And you're going to perform under these circumstances. Knowing that, again, I'm not going to say the B word, quarterbacks, especially this one, are unstable creatures. They're yeah. unstable creatures, and you can't treat right. them any kind of way and just expect them to grin and bear it. So, of course, he feels disrespected because he feels like he's better than he actually is. The truth of the matter Ooh, is... I don't know. Ooh, I he don't know about I know that. we disagree on how good he is. I yeah. don't think he deserves yeah, yeah. much better. You know the Browns in three out of his four years have won exactly six starts with him at quarterback? It's not like he is, like been consistently good enough to okay. warrant okay. somebody not looking for an improvement at quarterback, especially when that improvement Listen. is sexual misconduct allegations aside, a top five quarterback. Okay, let, let me just point out a couple things, and I agree. Okay. I agree. Baker Mayfield should feel disrespected, and, and, and the reason I, I feel like, yeah, but, man, okay, and mine. Okay. okay, I think I think it's a. I think they did, bro. You be caping up for they, Baker something serious. Oh, I, I yeah, because you know you what? You like you some Baker Mayfield. I, oh, oh, I don't know if I go that far, but I'm gonna say I can relate to what he's saying because I keep going back 
to the context. You said last conversation, we we're talking about the Timberwolves. You said context matters. Sure. For the Minnesota Timberwolves. Well, context matters for the Cleveland Browns too. He mentioned four head coaches, four mm-hmm. coordinators, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. chaos. He's been hurt. The Cleveland Browns. The Cleveland Browns have equaled chaos for mm-hmm. a long time. Like mm-hmm. that, he he leads them to their first playoff win in a gener- uh, first playoff appearance in a generation, first playoff win in 26 years. They get yep. 11 wins. They beat yep. their longtime rivals. They're tormentors, really. Yeah. Not rivals, tormentors. The, the Pittsburgh yeah. Steelers. Yeah, there's no rivalry and there. Yeah. They give them. They give them a little. He he gives them some stability. They gave him some stability, and all sure. of a sudden, relatively speaking, they can't even. They can't even. They can't even deal with him in a in an honest manner. So I think that is disrespectful. Look, you don't have to think. Baker, no, they were honest. If, if, they were, no, they were honest. No, they they were too honest. What they were they were dishonest about? I, okay, I they thought they told him we're gonna, we're gonna, we're only gonna upgrade from you if we can get a top five type quarterback. I thought that's what they told him. Is that they is, is there something else that I'm not aware of? They weren't, they weren't straight up with him about their intentions, publicly or privately, until they had to be, until they got caught. So it's not, it's not yeah. being honest when people say, <laughs> "Hey, hey, I was honest with you." No, no, I caught you. I forced you to be honest. You were lying to me, but then when it became obvious that you were going to do something else, now you're going to admit to it. That's not honesty. That's entrapment. <laughs> I forced you to say something that you weren't going to say on your own. So I understand where Baker Mayfield is. Can you blame from. him? And but let me ask you this: Can, can you it, blame him? What? Can you bl- like? Okay, let, let, okay. Let's, let's yes. do me a favor. Let's, I do. let's set aside. I, I noticed right. notice a bit. You blame the Browns. Okay. Can we do but yes. do me a favor though before you before you expound on why you blame the Browns. Okay. For purposes of this conversation, I would like to as best we can just stick to okay. football. Because you can't stick really talk about the Sean Watson without talking about the 22 it. civil suits that he's facing for sexual assault, sexual misconduct. That's right. You can't. That's but right. so setting the emotions of that aside. Okay. The Browns there's nothing that Baker Mayfield has done. Okay, so he was the quarterback on the team that they, that won a playoff game. Great, thanks okay. a lot. There's nothing that he's done other than be drafted by their former general manager John Dorsey, number one overall. Right. There's nothing that he's done to suggest that the Browns somehow wronged him by getting Deshaun Watson, the football player. I mean, I know, I know. who wouldn't do that? So okay. we don't owe you jack. I don't I don't owe, I don't right. owe you an apology for improving my football team. Every other and that's the point. The only thing the Browns did Perhaps. wrong to me is not recognize that this dude can't, ain't built to handle that because most quarterbacks aren't. That's not a, that's not an indictment of him. He's a quarterback. They are sensitive. I know I used to be one long time ago in high school. Okay. Yeah. 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 So other than that any okay. other position, you know what they do. They upgrade. You got to compete for your job. You got to fight day in and day out to hold on to your job at any other position. So they go get this Sean. They didn't just get anybody. They didn't get Mitchell Trubisky to go to your other favorite quarterback. They went and got the Sean Watson. They didn't bring in competition because ain't no competition with the Sean Watson between him and Baker Mayfield. So exactly. How can you blame the Browns? Okay, this is this is going to be difficult because you know, I like I like the people involved. Like I like Andrew Barry. I like him uh, personally. No doubt. But, um, but we got to call this out here. We got to we got we got to we got to call it like we see it. All right. So 
they've moved on from they're going to move on from Baker Mayfield. Mm -hmm. So Baker Mayfield could have been a problem, right? They moved on from Odell Beckham Jr. Um, he could have been a problem, but before he got I hurt, he looked like going. one of the best players in the Super Bowl. Uh, mm -hmm. They moved on from Jarvis Landry. He may want to come back. Like some people, yeah, like oh, at some point, at some it can't point, be everybody don't else. We have to. Well, it's kind, it's kind of like we, it's, is it, it's kind of like we said about the you? Lakers. It's like when you keep is running you, through coaches, Andrew? it can't just be. Yeah, well, it's, right. it's the, is it, the is culture it, in Cleveland. Is it you, Kevin? Is it you, Kevin? How many Sebastian? quarterbacks are they up to is now? It, is is Deshaun the thirty? Is it going to be the thirty fourth? No, no, it's in the thirty. Five and thirty. It's in the thirty. But it's like. You can you miss on 30 quarterbacks or do you just not know how to treat a quarterback when you get one? I, I get that. Is it, is it is it Jimmy Haslam? Jimmy and D Haslam? Is it ownership? Is it a deeper thing? So that's why I say I do feel for for Baker Mayfield because he is part of a chaotic structure structure and it's really hard to come in there and that's turn it around. I'm going to tell you why I'm going to show you how, how hard it is and this is going to sound this is going to be unfair, but I'm making a point. Who's won a playoff game more recently? Baker Mayfield or Deshaun Watson answer is Baker Mayfield, right? Well, so okay, sure. The, the last time the last time uh, Baker Mayfield was in the playoffs or the last the last healthy season he had they won 11 games. The last sure. healthy season Deshaun Watson had he won led four the league games. in passing on a that, four and 12 team. That, yep. Does that yep. does that mean that Baker is better than Deshaun? No, it means that sometimes you can't overcome your circumstances. That's, that's, a, that's, that's, a, solid, that's a very solid point. Right? No, no, so I, that's, 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 no that's a very solid point. He's not. No, I, and I preach I, that was perfectly put to juxtapose the better quarterback who won four games the last time he played with the inferior quarterback who they won a playoff game with. So it's like Ooh, so you, said you inferior, can't inferior. Well, I mean, right, okay, compared to him, but but no, but you're right about but Michael, yeah. honestly, you're right about that yeah. because you can't discredit Baker Mayfield when they won the playoff game and then blame Baker Mayfield when they falter. You can't say Baker Mayfield was a product of his environment when they're successful and then say Baker is the problem when they're unsuccessful. Those two things are incongruent. So I'm really happy that you put it that way. That's a very fair objective analysis of Baker Mayfield. I still don't think he's that good. And I think I think they, I, I, I think they got a better. They, they came up. They came across a better option, and this is business. Now Baker like Mayfield hopefully gets to go somewhere. But in the meantime, nobody. Okay, if Baker Mayfield were so good and was such a no-brainer, I think other organizations would take him at eighteen point eight million dollars, which is quite cheap for a, high, a, a starting quarterback. So far, no good. You know what, Mike? Oh, well, I bet I think they will. It, it, so he's stuck. Again, he's stuck with 18 point guarantee, but he's stuck right now. Well, well, not not, not necessarily. Uh, what's today's date? Today is uh, April 13th. All right, April 13th. Yeah. And time as I mentioned, draft, draft for those trade. who don't know, those who don't know, we're going out to Vegas. A uh, little draft, little draft coverage. Brother from another goes to the NFL draft. I think after the draft, there's going to be some movement. Like teams right now are still thinking about, okay, what are we going to do? Um, where, where, where does Kenny Pickett wind up? Uh, sure. Where does, where does Sam, where does Sam Howell wind up? How about Malik Willis? So like all these things, uh, and I think after teams know what they're going to do, what they have post draft, they'll say, all right, we need, we got space for Baker Mayfield, 
And so we'll bring him in. I think he will. And I, I like what he said that he thinks Seattle is the best option for him right now. I agree. I think Seattle could be a really good fit for him. And we'll know we don't more have many options based on what based on what Seattle does in the draft. Now Seattle spends one of their top it spends that top 10 pick. They got number nine right from Denver. They yeah. pay, they take a quarterback at number nine. Well, maybe Seattle's not a good option for you. They go or maybe defense. not. Maybe Maybe Seattle, maybe yeah. Seattle's like we ain't trying to like trade draft capital. We got to replenish our roster. We'll just get a quarterback next year in a better quarterback class. Because again, kind when of. it comes to, but when it comes to Baker Mayfield, you got to poop or get off the pot with him, which is what the Browns didn't want to do. They didn't want to commit long term. He's you know eighteen point eight million guaranteed. You know last year of his contract, right? Nah, man. Like a- I, I just. I think Baker Mayfield is it belies his draft status. And that's the problem with the draft is like these dudes that get drafted high. I think the league or that team owes them something. So now you get drafted number one overall. Guess what, dude? You got to go somewhere and prove yourself. You don't just get to prove it on draft night. Speaking of the draft coming up when they call your name, the work ain't done. That's when it starts. So he got to go out and reestablish himself somewhere and probably compete at a lower number than eighteen point eight million dollars. That seems to be what's keeping. Can I tell you though? So. Can I tell yeah. you though, Michael Smith, $18.8 million for oh, quarterbacks. Nice I know we'll talk about it coming up. That's a bargain though. That's, That's what I'm saying. For a, but for not enough for somebody to pull a trigger on a trade. So I think more people agree right. with me than you that he ain't all that good. Um, this was a good chat. This was Real Talk brought to you by Capital One. What is in your wallet? Um, we go into Vegas. And uh, last time we went to Nevada, things didn't go so well for me. I promise no, not to get high this time. I'm not getting no, high this time. You need to chill out. I promise. Okay, don't. It's a quick trip promise? anyway. You got time yes. on the record? Not getting high. Okay. I'm not getting high. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. How essential do you think it is that Steph does get a scrimmage before he returns? Uh, oh, it's it's essential. Like We're not going to play him without getting a scrimmage. Um, the whole team will need a scrimmage given that... Um, you know, we generally play every other day and, um, you know, all of a sudden we have um, six days between games. That's uh, pretty unique. So everybody will need a scrimmage, but uh, it would be irresponsible to put Steph out there in a playoff game without having scrimmage time before. Michael Smith and Mark Spears. Obviously, that was Steve Kerr and uh, a, a Mark Spears. Uh, Michael Smith sometimes wears shirts with musical artists on there. Uh, I'm thinking Bob Marley so much trouble in the world. Now listen, I'm telling you if Steph Curry doesn't have scrimmage time before this playoff series starts, I'm wondering if Steph Curry is going to be involved in this series and Mark Spears. Are you with me that? I think the Nuggets might be able to pull off the upset if Steph Curry is not 100%. What do you think? Before I get started, I have to pay my bet. 
and pay my respects. Wait, we'll get to we'll get to that. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. We'll get to that later. All right, all right, all right. We'll get to that later. Answer to your question. Tomorrow is big for Steph. We'll we'll get to that. Um, because tomorrow's their scrimmage day. So I think after around tomorrow afternoon, we'll have a lot of questions answered as to whether he will play or not. The scrimmage thing to hear from Kerr was quite interesting that he needed a scrimmage to, in order to play. Um, but they could still potentially scrimmage again on Thursday. I would think that because the game is on Saturday night, they don't want to do that two days in a row. Um, you know, uh, could Steph be a game time decision? Based on what Kerr said, tomorrow's the day. So I'm very, very intrigued by that. I was told last week that Steph would be questionable for game one, uh, that they're going to ramp him up this week. They kind of have been a little quiet to the vest in terms of what he's going to be able to do. But come on, man. Yeah, I, I know you guys expect Steph to play. But I'm going to tell you who's not going to play. Just came out. Uh-oh. The news that Composo from the Nuggets uh, got suspended for game one for pushing Wayne Ellington when they played the Lakers the other day. So oh, okay. the Nuggets will be down at guard. But, you know but what? I thought you, you were going to say like this now? Oh, go ahead. But I was going to say, but, but okay, even if Steph plays, even if Steph plays, do you like the, I like the Nuggets in this series and, and, I, and I, I have much respect for the Warriors and all stuff. You, oh, ooh, we're frowning. You don't like the Nuggets in this series. If Steph plays, no. Definitely not. Um, I saw this lineup uh, before Steph got hurt that was really, really scary. It was Tim, Poole, and Clay. And the way they moved the ball, and then you got Draymond in there moving the ball too. Um, Looney's a really good passer as well. That, that was just too much to deal with from a perimeter standpoint. And I, I think you'll see a lot of that. And if you watched how Clay played, at the end of the regular season, plays yeah. back. Plays yeah. back. And now he's in a position where at minimum, you know, he's gonna have a day off between games. There's not gonna be any back to backs. And so game one and two, he's had a lot of rest before game one. Obviously before game two, it's just a day. But um, between game two and game three is a three day rest. So that, that also could play in with Steph where they might say, you know what, let's bite the bullet game one, play game two, and then Steph will have several days off in between. I just, if Steph plays, I, I just think there's just too much firepower offensively uh, for the Nuggets to match it, especially if their second and third best players aren't playing. I thought you were going to say, you know who else is not playing. I thought you were going to give us a, some breaking news on Luka. Because I was going to ask if Bishop T.D. Jakes could, you know, bring him into the Potter's house don't in Dallas good. and get some hands on that cat. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, that blows up everything. Look I'm looking good. at Dallas thinking like Dallas could be some kind of, you know, it's hard to be a, a, a dark horse as the four seed with home court advantage. I thought Dallas could maybe be a dark horse in the Western Conference. But without mm-hmm. the most, maybe the most important player in the NBA to his team. I mean, that, that could change everything in the, in the playoffs. But you're saying it's not looking good for game one and not looking good for the series or... What do you know about that? Uh, that, that? Those calf injuries take a while, man. You know? Yeah. Um, and when you were dealing with a superstar like that, you tend to err on the side of caution because you don't want to risk more injuries. So I'm, at least for the first couple games, man, I'm expecting uh, Spencer Dinwiddie into miracles. 
and and with all due respect to Spencer Dinwiddie, who's, who's been awesome since he's come over from Washington, Utah's tough, right? I mean, yeah. I, I I I just don't see it. I I I might have picked Utah in the series anyway, to be honest. Oh, um, really? Okay. Yeah, I okay. mean, I I just think they have a well-rounded team. Um, I, they don't have anything to really stop Rudy in the in the post. Although you know they got some size, but nothing that can stop Rudy. Uh, if if Doncic is out, how do they match the scoring and and the assist that he gives? I, I just that's that's too big of a void. That's probably a bigger void than anybody else has to deal with. And they they haven't had him gone for a lengthy amount of time to probably you know pretty much know how to adjust without him. Although they have five days of practice this week, so no, I I picked the Jazz in six actually. Okay, well uh, we've delayed it long enough. Without further ado, your man of your word. Yes, you Mark Spears. Take it away. I am a man of my word, and all you have is your last name, right? And 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 in December, I made a mistake. Um, now I will preface it by saying I can't account for injuries. I I can't look into the future. Exactly. Stuff happens. Don't beat yourself right? up too much. But it, I mean, hey, injuries are part of the game. They're part of yeah. the game. Yeah. And I picked the Lakers in what was this November or was this December? It was November. It was a long it? time. Or maybe it's December. Maybe it's December. Maybe it's December. Oh. December. No, but it was. They were. Yeah, they were struggling pretty badly. So well, could yeah, yeah could have been yeah. either way. Yeah. Early on. Anyways, yeah. I'm belittling the the whole thing. I lost the bet to Michael Holly. Um, we we agreed that I didn't have to give him a case of wine, but rather <laughs> a really nice big bottle of wine that's you know a magnum bottle. And so I got him something pretty special. It's just, I'm gonna read this because this is this is not an everyday wine, but you you're not an everyday dude. It's a long-awaited 2018 RHF Rutherford Cabernet Sauvignon, produced by Frank Family Vineyards, named in honor of Richard Harvey Frank, the founder of the vineyard and former executive at Paramount Television and Disney Studios. It's a small production sourced from two premier vineyards located in East Eastern. Rutherford, California, the Cabernet is soft and supple with currant and blackberry flavors playing off the notes of cinnamon, dark chocolate, and deep herbs. Congratulations. Enjoy your Rutherford Cabernet Sauvignon from Frank Family Vineyards. And the bottle's a lot bigger than the picture. Oh, and it's in wow. the mail tomorrow. Wow. All right. Well, I pay my well, bets. A few things. A few things, a few things. First of all, appreciate you, brother. Love you. I know, I, I know and I knew that you were going to come through. Um, soft and supple, that's how I like my wine. Soft and supple. There's a joke there, but I won't make it. And I'll say this also. Um, I will not drink it until you come to Massachusetts. I am going to, we're going to have a glass together. The two of us. I know you always, you travel. So maybe you'll be here for the NBA finals. You know what? Is that a prediction? I'm, I'm hopeful. I have a, my cousin, shout out to my cousin, Jacob Armand. I think he might be playing at Emerson College with Bill Curley. So we'll go to a game. And then if he, assuming he goes there, 
and afterwards uh, we'll open that big bottle. Mike's gonna have to come That's too. Right. That's a lot of wine. That is. Well, so you know, I like my wine. So the, just again, That's to good recap stuff and, too. And, you and, make sure you 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 put it in the right fridge too, bro. Just to just okay. to recap and put a bow on this on this for for those that. Don't Look at that damn smile too. The Look at bet, that damn smile the, he had. The bet was that the Lakers would get out of the first round. They obviously did not make the play. Well, they get they what, did get out of the first round. They didn't get <laughs> technically maybe oh, I'm I, right. Well, out of the first round, yeah, they got up out of there. Sure, they got they're out of the country probably <laughs> at this point. Yeah, yeah, that's one way of looking at it. Um, yeah. Not the way you you, you anticipate. Most of us anticipated. What moves can they make to get out of this mess? Is the question both at head coach given a dysfunction when it comes to who's running it a lot of cooks in at their kitchen, but also Russell Westbrook. I saw a, a, a report a rumor that Indiana rumor about healed and Brogdon for Russell Westbrook in a first round pick that feels too good to be true for the Lakers. That would that would talk about here's what comes into play now. Now that he's in the Russ is in the final year of his deal. He's easier to trade. So now you have teams that are like, but Indiana, they still don't want a first could... round pick with it, right? Which okay. I know is 27, I mean, 29, you know, but can't keep I'd give, I'd give, good money after shoot, the bad. This money. one's actually, yeah, I'd, if I'm the Lakers, I'd probably do that. I mean, look, your window is about what? So long with LeBron James, and it, it's been hey, obvious F with the Pacers. <laughs> yeah. That's the, that's the yeah. ethos uh, in LA, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the, the Pacers have been trying to shed salary, as you saw with Sabonis. Um, they even flirted with uh, trading Turner as well. So, I mean, perhaps there certainly is a possibility there where Russ makes like 40 He's in the last 47. year of his deal. They can shed a lot of contract. Um, I'd still keep an eye if they're willing to trade the pick uh, with Houston as well, because, I mean, I wish John Wall would have played. I, I wish he would have just decided to come off the bench so we could have. I think he would have helped his stock if he did play. And, uh, you know, perhaps they may decide that John Wall with his catch and shoot abilities could be a big um, uh, pick as well or a big trade. But because Russ is in the last year of the deal, expect yeah. some teams that are considering trading some salary, shedding some salary, uh, getting in the mix much more than they were at the trade deadline. If they could, if they could get Brogdon and healed after yeah. all of this, I don't know. Yeah, that's a They wanted healed but, bad before. But, remember, they wanted him last. Yeah, right. Yeah. That's, okay. that's a game yeah. changer. I mean, both but, of those dudes. But yeah, healed is good. But Brogdon, I mean, first of all, you have to deal with contracts. Both of those contracts, and uh, doesn't Brogdon? Brogdon has some injury concerns. I mean, that's the thing with him. I, I like him when he's healthy, but he's yeah. He's, well, he's the kind of on the. It'd be great I, I to have. Yeah, Brogdon and Anthony Davis on the same team. Him. I'd, I'd roll the dice with him because he's another guy that catches, shoots well. He's a really good, uh, complimentary player. I, I think he and Hill would give them the shooting that they they would definitely need. Um, in terms of coaches, you know, there there've been a lot of names, but I do hope that they consider two guys. Uh, that are already on the staff, David Fisdale and Phil Handy, both who have a lot of respect from uh, LeBron James. I I hope they get interviews and the uh, the opportunity to at least uh, get a shot at the job. But I I mean I keep hearing names, 
But when I hear names to me, if it's not connected to LeBron James, like to me, it doesn't make sense. He, he's the best player on the team. He certainly has a lot of power on that Haven't team. Haven't they listened so, to him enough? Still Both got he's thinking still about the face of the, the franchise. Team. I mean, this is this. Well, it's funny you say that because there's a report that he made, and, and we got. Um, yeah, let's sneak this in. There's a report that he may eschew signing the extension that he's eligible for this year and just play out next year, the last year of his contract. So if you're the Lakers, A, how worried are you? B, why would you listen to him about a head coach if he ain't committed to you for the long haul? Well, well yeah, I mean, certainly if he decides to do that, that, that kind of changes the game on it, right? I, uh-huh. I still think those two guys on the staff for or one, Fisdale's worthy of another opportunity, and I think Phil Handy has a bright future as a head coach in this league. So, I mean, either yeah. either way, I think they'd be fine there. But I, I think the NBA players, um, and this is said respectfully to LeBron, man, take the money, man. Figure the rest out later. Paul George gave you a map. You sign the deal, and you get your trade later. Get your money. You never know, especially as you're getting older, what your body could do. And uh, so I think the Paul George model is the best model to find. You can't tell me that if LeBron signs the deal and then after next season decides he wants out, that they're not going to accommodate him and force him to stay. No, he he'll it always. In, get it might be in their best out. interest anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, Spears, I, I take, let's, let's I talk. Say, about... Take the money, man. Uh-huh. Spears, let's, let's talk about uh, last night and a money moment for the Minnesota Timberwolves, <laughs> and it may not mean a lot to a lot of people, but for them. Uh, you know, second playoff appearance since 2004. They win the game over the Clippers and they celebrate like crazy. I mean, they really got yeah. into it. Patrick Beverly in the arena on IG, probably in the streets of Minnesota and St. Uh, Minneapolis and St. Paul. I don't know. But what did you think of the celebration? Do you think they went too far? Um, well, Beverly, I think it's, you know, and he's always emotional. It, it's, it was Clippers induced. Like, if, if they had beat New yeah, Orleans or San Antonio to get in, I, I don't know that he would have been that emotional. I mean, the Clippers basically got rid of him, right, and didn't want to give right. him extra money. And so I think that certainly has a lot to do with the trolling, uh, with the bitterness. The fact that he cried was With the, was with telling the Versace robe today? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the, the fact that, you know, hey, it's... Hey, you, hey, you, you got his 15 minutes of fame. It's about to end pretty soon, so you might as well run with it, right? Yeah, this, this but, might be the uh, most we've talked about Pat Bev since he sent uh, Russell Westbrook out the playoffs, doing yeah, too much. But and, I, I and, am and curious to see the, the, the him and Ja. I know he's going to be certainly try to be an irritant on Ja. And the intriguing thing about that series is Memphis is now not an underdog anymore, right? Like, and you're facing, it's almost like that Spider-Man meme where they're pointing at each other. You got two young dogs that are trying to prove something, that are thirsty, that haven't done anything, that want to show that they're ready to be uh, varsity teams in this league. And, you know, it's one thing to do it in a regular season. It's another thing to do it in the postseason. So um, Minnesota is not going to be scared of Memphis. They probably feel they're on the same level, if not better. I'm, that's a series I wanted to see. I'm really, really excited about that. Uh, but but I, I do think that, like, lost and all that, like, 
I'm telling you, this dude, Ant-Man, is the truth, bro. And we talked yeah, about him before. Like, yeah, that kid, for that to uh, essentially be his first playoff game, and he didn't play in the NCAA tournament, and this is the first time that his lights were bright, was amazing. Yeah. Like, that like was one he, like of the said, best first playoff games. When the lights come I've on, I show seen. up. That's what he said, he, right? He when showed up, on, man. Show up. But, but yeah. I was like, when else has he had lights, really? Right? Right. right. I go deep in Georgia. Like, hey, you, yeah. like, yeah. And, whatever. And, Trash hey, can ball. That kid is cold, man. Swimming. Like, get whatever. on his Day one from and, day one. Edwards. Whatever it, you need me to do. Clean up, clean, straight Edwards clean up. Wow, six. A superstar. <laughs> Kids start buying that jersey. He's the yeah, next man. one. He is the next <laughs> one. Kudos to that young buck. I got to spend some time with him at Georgia. I saw yeah. it before. He's special. And he has a personality no to boot. No doubt. Hey, um, we're going to let you go, but on the way out, who gets the eighth seed in both conferences when this playing tournament is all said and done? Nets at seven, Wolves at seven. Who's eight in each in each conference? Uh, I think the Clippers end up getting the eighth seed. Um, I'm going I'm to go with J.B. Bickerstaff in Cleveland. I think they get the eighth seed, too. Wow. Wow. Uh-huh. Yeah. Over Atlanta? Uh-huh. You got Atlanta tonight? Well, no, I mean Atlanta. I know, gotta, but I'm they saying they got to win first, right? Well, so, I'm saying, but if, if Atlanta wins tonight, I, I think Atlanta, Atlanta, Cleveland. I think I make take Atlanta there. Hmm. Ah man. Nah. Uh, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, I, I have a I have a feeling about Cleveland this year. I know Trey's gonna be mad at me for saying that. <laughs> <laughs> but that the game's gonna be in Cleveland. That that matters. Although Trey plays big games on the road, I, I feel like Cleveland's gonna sneak into the playoffs. And I think Big right. Fella might be back too. So the Afro will be back. That size will, I think, play a big well, difference. That's huge. All right, big man. He's back. That's huge. Appreciate right, you, brother. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Take care Thank now. Thank you for. You too. Thank you for the wine. Yeah. We'll share. Yeah, yeah, I know. Enjoy. We will enjoy. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Oh, yeah, Mike. I got my I got my email. My NBC Universal travel confirmation email. My flight yeah. is booked yeah. Yeah. for Las Vegas. You and I Good. will be in Las Vegas in two weeks. For the first two days of the 2022 NFL Draft, two being the magic number, there are eight teams with multiple first-round picks in this draft. I am super excited, to say the least, about this draft. I don't care that it's not a great quarterback class. You know what I mean? Like, we put too much emphasis on that anyway. I know you need a superstar right. quarterback in this league, but I'm sorry. There's way more to the draft, and nobody knows that. Dan Campbell good buddy, says you don't. Connor Rogers. Exactly. Well, yeah, he, he has to say that. Our good buddy Connor Rogers, uh, our, our draft expert for Bleacher Report, 
Um, listen, let's start with the quarterbacks, though. Let's go ahead and, and, go, and go there because quite a few visits for quarterbacks were announced uh, ahead of the draft. Uh, Carolina's got visits set with Malik Willis and Kenny Pickett and Matt Corral and Desmond Ritter and Sam Howell. Um, Pittsburgh is talking to Corral and Carson Strong. Seattle's talking to Ritter all this week. You know, look, everybody gets, you know, a certain number of visits. You don't want to, like, jump to too many conclusions, but I guess which visits and which fits jump out to you the most when it comes to these quarterback needy teams and these top quarterback prospects, Connor? I think everything surrounding Carolina at six between Malik Willis and Kenny Pickett. I, I don't put Desmond Ritter in that conversation yet. I do think he's going in the first round, which uh, it's just a crazy year where in a normal year, a Desmond Ritter is the kind of player that probably goes, you know, more top 60-ish. Same even for a Matt Corral, obviously Sam Howell players like that. So I think when you look at it, this quarterback draft starts at number six for Carolina. And I'm starting to believe that they are going to take one. And it would not shock me if it's Kenny Pickett. I think, guys, when you look at this situation in Carolina, they are one more bad year away from Matt Rule potentially being fired. So if they go into, if they're sitting there right now looking at it and going, we're going to go into the year with Sam Darnold, or are we going to try something different? I think they're going to choose the option that is something different. And I think it would be Kenny Pickett because they think he can come in and distribute the ball to the plethora of playmakers they have available. Although Malik Willis, I wouldn't rule him out just because of how exciting his long term is. The wild card is Seattle at nine. I know they're bringing in Desmond Ritter for a visit. That would really, really surprise me. But once again, now you have the Saints. You have the Steelers. You have more teams than we expected involved in a quarterback market where there's really only three guys that can go in the first round. And even at that, it's a bit of a reach. Well, and that's, that, that brings me to my next question because there's been so much talk about this being a down year, especially relative to last year, a down year for quarterbacks until what I haven't heard, and maybe I'm just not, obviously not as close to it as you are, what I haven't heard enough about is like sleeper quarterbacks or value quarterbacks or quarterbacks right. who, you know, could make a push into the end of the first round, traditionally where teams will trade back in to get a guy you know, before the second round starts, or even guys that like if you don't if you if you don't get an early quarterback, you get one late and could really feel good about his long term prospects. So beyond the, the the top guys in a relatively speaking weaker quarterback class by most projections, the Willis's, the Pickett's, you know, the Ritters or who have you who, uh, or what have you, who are some off the radar guys that people around the league are buzzing about that you're like, you know what, man, that dude could be somebody in the right situation given time to develop. I think the one that interests people is Sam Howell. Now, everybody knows Sam Howell because he was in the first round of mock drafts last summer, the first mock drafts mm -hmm. that come out. He was a guy that when you do look at UNC, they lost a lot of talent, and he was still there. They lost Diami Brown, the wide receiver that went to Washington in the third round. They lost two stellar running backs in Javante Williams and Michael Carter. They lost legitimate pieces in that offense. And when you watch it this year, the pass pro wasn't good. Uh, the talent around him did suffer a significant drop off. And because of that, his play spiraled where he played a lot of hero ball guys and tried to run around, extend plays. He's athletic enough to do it, but it cost them at times. Uh, I didn't really see him throw in structure enough. And that's my biggest question with him going to the next level. He's got a big arm. It's just, can you dial it in and be accurate consistently from the pocket? And that's why Sam Howell, he's not going to go in the first round, but there will be a team in the second round that takes him and says, 
we, we love his attitude. Uh, we do love the athleticism. We think he's got a big arm. We think he needs seasoning and some time to learn how to play a little bit more in control. The same can be said for Matt Corral coming out of that Ole Miss offense that is a very gimmicky college offense. He's a lighter guy, an athletic guy, not the best decision maker right now. He's throwing the ball around the yard. There's no throw on the field that he doesn't want, and he's going to have to learn to dial that in because NFL defenders will take advantage of that. But to your point that, you know, we're looking at a quarterback class and we're just trying to find somebody outside of round one that's interesting. There's just not a lot there. Bailey Zappi from Western Kentucky, he'll be drafted. Not a big arm, kind of projects as a long-term backup. Caleb Ellaby from Western Michigan, uh, an underclassman that did surprisingly declare. Good touch thrower, can throw the ball down the field, but once again, just not those polarizing traits that Willis or even Ritter have, or last year we were spoiled with Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, and Trey Lance, who were just dripping with jaw-dropping traits to become something special eventually. Now, I know this this could be, you know, two separate answers. The quarterback is going to go first. I don't want to know that who, who's because that may not be the best guy. That just may be, as you mentioned, Matt Rule may be desperate to take somebody. But who who's your favorite quarterback in this draft? The, the, the quarterback that you think, hey, five years from now, 10 years from now, we're going to say that's the guy really good quarterback. Who is that guy? If I had to put my stamp on someone, if I'm in the draft room and I'm saying I'm betting my job in this franchise on it, I'm trying to hit a home run, right? This is the guys that go to the playoffs to go to the Super Bowl. You look at the Joe Burrows of the world. You look at these superstar quarterbacks. It's Malik Willis. Just because everything is there for him to be a star, but you really need to let this one marinate for a little bit. Malik Willis is coming out of Liberty, and people need to get this, you know, not mix this up. He was at Auburn, right? He wasn't a no-name recruit or anything like that. He's always been a really talented guy. He transferred to, Lib- uh, to Liberty, broke out into a star. He's not really a-, a runner. He's a good runner because he's a patient runner, excellent vision, but he's a-, a quarterback first. He is somebody that can really throw the ball vertically down the field, and it's very, very impressive. Uh, he's a smart guy. Everybody I've talked to in the NFL that's gotten to sit down with him and really pick his brain has been impressed to the point of a- anybody could sit there and impress one-on-one in the room, but impress on the stage of, okay, you can be the guy in press conferences after a big win or a really bad loss that is speaking for the team and speaking to things. You're a guy that can be in the offensive room and we can really build an offense around you. But once again, the speed of the game going from Liberty uh, to the NFL, I guess it's a little similar to Trey Lance last year where we knew graduating from the FCS to the NFL level is going to take a little time. We saw how slow the Niners played it with Trey Lance last year. I don't know if Malik Willis is going to be afforded that luxury, depending where he goes. If he went to Pittsburgh, he'll sit behind Mitch Trubisky for a little bit. If he goes to Carolina, he might be playing right away. But when you're betting on traits, the big arm, the physicality, and the mobility, Malik Willis is the only one in this class that you can check all of those boxes off when you look at the quarterbacks. You talk about all these traits and and rare ability. It reminds me of a guy, different position, that I really can't figure out how people feel about him, and that's Kyle Hamilton. I've seen some mock drafts where they have him going second. I've seen some where he slides out of the top ten. How do you see Kyle Hamilton, and where do you think he's going to go? I think the best-case scenario for Kyle Hamilton is going number eight overall to the Atlanta Falcons because they just need good football players right now where they'll go, we don't care that he's a safety, we just need talent, and he's loaded with talent. He's a no-brainer top eight player in this class. 
And then it starts to become a question, right? We know Seattle's not going to take him. I don't think the Jets are going to take him at 10. Washington at 11 is absolutely a possibility. And then you wonder how far will he really trickle into the teens. He would go at 13 to Houston if they didn't move from that pick. So that's probably uh, the floor, right? That's how far he could really fall down the board. Now, Kyle Hamilton's so interesting, right? Because a lot of people like to use the definition or the label unicorn. And I, I think he's a unicorn because people use that because of his length. He's six foot four. Uh, he's built like a linebacker, but runs, moves on the tape, not on the track, on tape like a safety. Now, with Kyle Hamilton, I think he's also gotten wrongly labeled for some things. He's not going to come down in the slot and play excellent man coverage. That's not what he does on tape. He's a thumper. He's a good tackler. He can run sideline to sideline. He could play too high in coverage. He could play single high. He has enough range, sideline to sideline, to do that. In zone, he has excellent eyes. He was a great leader for that program. When Brian Kelly walked away and left those kids completely on the spot, he was one of the guys that was out there speaking for the program and sounded like a fully grown adult, a third, you know, a 10-year veteran in the NFL. So you can fully buy into the person. You could buy into the role he can handle for your defense. But we know this league, guys. It's pass rushers. It's quarterbacks. It's wide receivers. And early in the draft, usually offensive tackles. It's really hard out here for superstar safeties. Speaking of uh, buying into um, and pass rushers, you know, I had begun to just buy into the inevitability that Aiden Hutchinson was going to go first overall to Jacksonville. Um, I'm not and speaking of sure things. It's like who are the sure things among among those three premier blue chip edge rushers Aiden Hutchinson from Michigan Kayvon Thibodeau from Oregon and Trayvon Walker from Georgia. Uh, who's the surest thing or and or which one is kind of moving into play for number one. I mean, process mission seems like Kayvon Thibodeau is not in the mix, but Trayvon Walker is getting more and more buzz about potentially going number one. Maybe that's Trent Baalke fingerprints on that. Or, or, yeah, I'm, not, I'm not sure, but how do you see the, this, this, this competition among these three primary pass rushers playing out? I do think it's between Hutchinson and Walker, and I think Hutchinson is the favorite to go number one. Now, there is a lot of smoke out there that Trayvon Walker's making a run for this thing with the athleticism, the measurables, uh, another guy with a championship pedigree. So you know the character is there as well. And people feel like with an expanded role as a pass rusher that he's going to blossom into a superstar. Now, I'm a little lukewarm on that one, guys. I think it's a tough sell. I've seen a lot of people maybe speaking for Balky or speaking for whoever uh, say that it reminds them of Alden Smith. You know, Alden Smith was drafted after a year where he had less than five sacks and blossomed into a star. I think a lot of people conveniently leave out that Alden Smith had 11 and a half sacks as a redshirt freshman at Missouri. So the productive season was there. It just wasn't his last year. Trayvon Walker has never had that double-digit sack season. He's never had that great season on paper uh, in terms of just overall production. Now, I think Aiden Hutchinson will be the number one overall pick. I don't think it's a lock. I think he has the highest floor because of how polished his pass, pass rush plan is right now. But you don't draft for the floor all the time with number one overall. I would still take the ceiling with Kayvon Thibodeau. It's not going to happen. He's not going to go number one overall. I think he goes number two to the Lions or number four to the New York Jets. Uh, but I would look for the superstar. And, and I think with Thibodeau, there's enough there right now that you've seen the ability to tap into, to coach him up, expand the way he wins on the defensive line, and really develop him into a superstar. And there are three productive years of tape for Kayvon Thibodeau. You cannot say that 
about Aiden Hutchinson or Trayvon Walker right now. So I find that, you know, interesting that we don't have that argument a lot. A lot of people fear the one-year breakout, and I have no problem with that. Hutchinson had a tremendous year. Trayvon Walker, in his own way, more against the run than against the pass, had a really, really good year. But when you look at Kayvon Thibodeau, at least in the two full seasons, 2019 before the pandemic season, and then this year in 2021, uh, he was tremendous and got better over that time at Oregon. Hey, listen, uh, Connor, you know, you, you got to understand, I love the Ohio State Buckeyes. I love the Buckeyes, always have, grew up there. I'm a Buckeye through and through. But you have permission to tell me, because I'm looking for some negatives here. You have permission to tell me that these Ohio State wide receivers are getting a little too much love where I see Garrett Wilson being drafted in the top 10 and some people have Olave in the top 15. It, are, are they, is this too much? I mean, I know they're good, but have we gone too far with the wide receiver evaluation? Go ahead and tell me. I want, I want permission to rip them. <laughs> Well, here, here it is. It's a balance, right? Garrett Wilson's my number one wide receiver. Chris Olave's barely hanging on Ooh. in that top five. So, okay. you know, and I think Olave's a good player, but he's limited. I'll start with the bad then, since it sounds like that's what you want right here. I think with Olave, <laughs> it's, the, it's the play strength that concerns me. He, he's a lighter guy. He's a smooth route runner. He's got good ball tracking. He's got multiple years of excellent tape. He's played special teams. He can win outside. He can win inside. I do think when guys get their hands on him at the line of scrimmage, he's going to struggle in his releases a little bit. And he's always going to be that number two option. He's never going to take over football games. When I look at Garrett Wilson, I see the polish in the route running. I see the ability to win before the catch. Tremendous at the catch point, guys. A different level of strength compared to Alave, where it's the tracking, it's the strong hands, it's the vertical leap, it's the body control in the air where... I don't care that he's six feet tall. He plays like a six foot four wide receiver. I think before the catch, he reminds me of Calvin Ridley. He tested way better than Calvin Ridley, and he's got juice after the catch. I got to see him in person this year. It's incredible what he can do with the ball in his hands, the ability to make guys miss. So I would be comfortable building an offense around Garrett Wilson. I can't say that about Chris Alave. And I think there's just guys ahead of him that are so much more physically impressive, whether it's Drake London, Jamison Williams' speed, Traylon Burke's physicality. Uh, Alave will be a good player in this league for a long time, but he's a complimentary player in this league that is paying wide receivers $25 million a year. And that's why you're seeing a lot of teams, I think we'll have at least five, maybe six wide receivers go in the first round. They want cost-controlled wide receivers for at least three to four years before those big contracts come up like we're seeing with DK Metcalf, AJ Brown, and most notably D- Debo Samuel right now. You earn your money every day, Connor Rogers. This is your time of year. Thanks for bringing your A game to brother from another man. It's always fun to talk to you. We could do it all day. Yeah, we great. won't monopolize your time like that. Hopefully, we talk to you next week and definitely the week after that when we take this show on the road to Las Vegas. Appreciate you, man. Keep up the great work. Oh, you got it, guys. I love talking to you. Have a good one. Thanks again. Thanks, you Connor. Too. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Bro, can you imagine? Well, first of all, a little NFL free agency news. 
Uh, yeah. Stephon Gilmore was in Indianapolis today. Um, so on one hand, the AFC could continue to add talent in this arms race in that conference. I mean, the Colts, yeah. borderline playoff team last year with Carson Wentz, upgraded in my mind. I think you agree with Matt Ryan this, this offseason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, adding, definitely. yeah, adding a Stephon Gilmore would be fantastic. Um, but I was more excited by the prospect of the F them picks, F that cap, Los Angeles Rams adding Stephon Gilmore. <laughs> yeah, that I tickled mean, my it, fancy when I saw that. I was like, can you imagine Stephon Gilmore is your number two corner? You avoiding Jalen Ramsey and throwing at Stephon Gilmore? Now you obviously have to take a you know all jokes aside, a lesser deal uh, than what he probably thinks he can get on the open market. I don't know, but I don't I'd like know. to see him with. I'd I love know. to see him with the Rams. I, I know, right? Who knows? Who I, knows what kind of cap hey, they working with? I, I don't know if he has if he has to take a lesser deal. What's up, Lesney? What are you doing? What are you working with? What kind of secret pouch do you have that the rest of the league hasn't figured out? Uh, I, it just it really makes me wonder. I'm entertained by it, just from a. Um, just compared to the, the way the rest of the league does business. Now, you know, I was making some phone calls, Mike, and having some conversations with some people. You want to call some people? I'm gonna you want to talk to some people? Gotta call some people. Well, then call do it to get out of my people. house before Bonnie gets home. Yeah. I don't want to get divorced, okay? Um, no marriage counseling, no trial not, separation. I'm going straight to divorce. <laughs> it's going to be a divorce. Uh, I was talking to some people, and they said, look, it's fun what the Rams are doing. But it's not sustainable. I said, you don't think it's sustainable? I said, no, it's not. Because of the cap, eventually they said the cap. They said it really is just like a credit card. But it's like a credit card. You got to pay it eventually. Eventually, you can keep pushing it back, pushing it back. Pay a little bit here, defer. Pay a little bit, spend some more. Eventually, that bill is going to come due. Now I'm enjoying it from a football perspective. Now from does it from a financial real world perspective? I kind of understand. Res, I, I do. But wait, the, the respect, credit card respectfully thing from scares me. Res, okay, but respectfully from the person who said it's not sustainable. Why does it need to be sustainable? Because and I'm, and because I'm, the I'm, person like you won the Super because, Bowl. That's well, the wait goal. Minute, wait a minute. So it's already okay. paid off. You know, you've, all, you've already person, got what you you in it to win it. They won. If they can win again in this guy's prime and Aaron Donald's prime with Matthew Stafford locked up. When you got Cooper Cup, when you got Matthew Stafford, when you got Jalen Ramsey, when you got Aaron Donald, right? Bobby Wagner, you know, you just added to the mix. When you got that group, what does sustainable mean? He ain't building for well, 10 years you now. You're trying well, to you, maximize this window. Let me yeah. tell you. Let me let me let me answer the question without telling you. I'm gonna answer the question. I'm gonna answer the question. I'm gonna tell you why I'm mad. I'm gonna tell you why I'm mad. No, I'm gonna tell you why. I'm gonna tell you why. Um, I'm not telling you who my sources are. However, I will say that I only talk to champions. I only talk to champions. So this is someone who has won multiple times. So someone who has okay, I, I'll, I'll say this. I'll say this. Someone who has someone who is familiar with being there more than once. Let's say it that way. And so when they when they talk about sustainable, they're thinking, all right, one's not enough. What's my best path 
to getting multiple championships. And you can yes. say that <laughs> what is it? Is it? Yes. Yes. Is this? A, is this? Yes. Yes. Like you, I mean, they, like they are okay. When you when you when you couple this is the best the, path. the migration this is, this is the best of path. talent to the AFC, you couple the migration of talent to the AFC year. with right with what the Rams have done this, this offseason. The Rams, to me, with all due respect to Brady's Bucks, are the clear cut favorite in the NFC. The Rams are. Yeah, we'll see who yeah. survives yeah. the yeah. AFC. The Rams won the Super Bowl, and one could argue have come back better this offseason. They kept the band together, added Allen Robinson at wide receiver. They didn't keep the band together. They did not. They didn't keep Tomorrow. the, they, they, the yeah. offensive coordinator yeah, Von, going Von to Miller's, Minnesota. Hey, Von, Von no, Miller was, was a pretty Von, good Von base player. No, Von yeah, Miller was okay, on drums. For the, <laughs> he was right, on drums. No doubt. No doubt. Player. That's that's a that's a significant departure. But for the most part, you know, they're the temptations, you know, they may lose don't do it. Don't do a member, it. Don't do it. but they still do the temptations. You know? Don't do it. Don't do it. Okay. Von Miller soon. and Eddie too King. Soon. Okay, fine. Von Miller and Eddie King Jr. Okay. <laughs> All right. Like, you know, right. they're still the five heartbeats. They still got they okay, still got fine. a damn good squad. Okay. Von Miller's great. But they got they've been bringing in but, Bobby Wagner. They may bring back Odell Beckham with this meaningless cap they have. Sustainable to Robert me means Woods, are we, are we, him. Are we, are we trying to are we trying to win for the next five ten years? No, of course this bill right. is going to come due. But in the but in the meantime, let's have some fun. If I get if I get a Super Bowl see, or two, damn that credit card bill. But see, you know what? But I don't. You know what? I I I want five years. I want I want the most opportunities. So you're right. The Rams have a great opportunity this year. But I'm thinking I want I want a five year window. It's unrealistic, but that's why I want a five to seven year window. I don't want to just win. I want to win three of them. I want to I want to get my Maybe. I want to give myself the best opportunity to get four in seven years. I want a bunch. Yeah. So, okay, we won last year. Good. I'm just greedy now. I want I want I want the I want what the that, Cowboys right. did. Okay. Pre-cat. Okay. Pre-cat. Well, there you go. Um. So you want what the Cowboys want, did? Sign Stephon Gilmore. Bring back Odell want, Beckham. That's how you have what the Cowboys are. What the that's how you build a dynasty have done. I want a lot of them. I want it or I want to do what that ain't Kansas never going to be done again. I want well, I don't know that I, I feel the like Patriots? I got a shot at it. I got Patriots a shot. Ain't never I want be a shot. Again. Okay, how about the how about the the front end lost, or the back yeah, end you know, of, thanks for putting of the that Patriots up. dynasty because besides they Miller three and four. Whitworth retired they had three and big, four. But, then they yeah. had three and five. So front end, they won three out of four. Back end, three out of three out of five. That's what I want. I'm looking for something like that. Ain't nobody and, doing that again. Like that's because the, the common denominator that was because there ain't nobody who have another Tom Brady. Nobody did it before. That was once in a lifetime. Nobody what did it before. Brady? Nobody's gonna do it again. I'm just Brady. I'm saying like they were able. They were able to retool around a dude that played for 20 years. Well, wait a minute. So, hold on, hold so, on, bro. Hold but no, on, but, but, hold but hold on. on. You were right. Let's go back. You were right about the fact that I think it's an overstatement to say they brought the band back together. They brought Ooh, the core back. But they, yeah, they, I, Whitworth retired. That's no small thing. Forgot, you know, Hecker was a great punter. Big. Forgot about that. You know, yeah. So, Sebastian Joseph Day is a big pickup for the, for the Chargers. So, yeah. I still like their core. I still like the team. They have made a living off of 
maximizing compensatory picks and late round picks. I don't expect less need and Sean McVay to do any different this draft. They'll be all right. Let me ask you this more than all right. I, now, I, I, I don't know if you know this guy. You might know him, but remember mm-hmm. uh, we had a guy on came on this show brother from another mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, on this day on this day <laughs> this mm-hmm. year. Hey, they came on the show and he said he said that Tom Brady who now has seven Super Bowl titles. He said Tom Brady was going to win 10. Right? I did. I thought I thought he Remember would threaten that? 10. Okay. I said he would threaten so, 10. Yes. Okay, because I, I had him winning last think, year. If you think Tom Brady's going to threaten 10, absolutely somebody can do three and five. Or because he oh, no, 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 no. Play more than I was saying that I was saying right? the Patriots would never you would never see the Patriots again. Like that sustained right. 20 year where you're in contention year in and year out I'm and you end half. up with I'm seven out of half. 10. That, that, that's what I'm saying. I'm not I'm, yeah. I, forget about the 20. Take it out. You to see, like Michael, it seems like you're going backward, man. It's not like you're going no. backward. You 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 hated the Rams business model on the front end. You came around once the results materialized in the form of a Super Bowl win. Now you're going back to uh, the credit card. Oh, it's the bill, the salary cap. Pay. Oh, these draft See, picks why. is not sustainable. Oh, 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 you know what? This is good. Who cares? You know what this, it, you know what this tells me? This is what it tells what? me. That's why Sarah, that's why Sarah's in charge of the money. It ain't you. Sarah's in charge of the money because you're reckless. Oh, you, you just say, I'd oh, be, it's I'd still be paying off that discover card from college if it wasn't for Sarah. See, shame on you. What about this video that surfaced? Have you heard about it and seen it? Yeah, yeah, I've heard. You know, look, emotions got the best of me. You know, I said it. And do I mean it? No. And it's a frustrating night for me, obviously. You know, made a few mistakes in the field. And look, these people, these fans, they just want to win. And, I mean, you heard it. We come back. They're great. And, you know, I guess I'm just, I'm sorry for them. You know, I, I don't mean that. And... Motion just got the best of me. So you actually love this play? <laughs> yeah. You know what? I do. Yeah. <laughs> Number 28, Alex Bone. never gonna die. I just wanted to Nothing more powerful than a prompt, sincere apology. Especially when you yep. apologize to a fan base that probably agrees with you in many respects. Because he meant it. <laughs> when he yeah. said it and he said what he meant. I tell you what hey. Alec Baum. It, it is clear that he is a player in more ways than one. He knows how to apologize. That's right. And look, that's right. Know how to apologize own it. And and what he meant was sometimes I hate this place and everybody can relate to that, right? Sometimes I Adele foul Pensy. That's the residency. That's the residency. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.